Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. How's everybody doing? Good. Good to see everybody. Had a great uh, trip back to Oklahoma last week. Uh, Jamie and the kids are still out there. They'll be back Tuesday. And, uh, and so I've been back since Tuesday, uh, alone in the house, uh, talking to the walls. So you guys are the first people I've spoken with pretty much all week, uh, which, is, which is good. And so um, anyway, really great uh, to see you. Thank, thank you so much for the time off. Uh, it was really kind of good for my soul to reconnect with my family. And we just had a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to kind of continue on in our theme of no theme for the summer. Uh, and so we've been kind of just doing these little one-shot sermons. I, thanks so much to Matt and to George for uh, preaching lately. I know they've done a great job. And, and, uh, and then we, um, and so, you know, I've hit, hit some topics like uh, headship and, uh, and the name I am of God and, and uh, the concept of repent and, and uh, the concept of covenant and things like that. And so, uh, the, the, to- the topic I want to talk about today is this whole concept of uh, community, or the old word we used to use for it was fellowship. Everybody, anybody remember saying fellowship? Uh, fellowship, it's the fun ship. And so uh, anyway, you know, we've kind of gotten away from using that word fellowship because at least if you have a Baptist background, it got to be kind of weird uh, because it was, you know, fellowship kind of meant everybody bring a casserole and we eat and talk and things like that. And so there's and so there's so much more to fellowship than just casserole. Although do not underestimate the importance of casserole. And so um, that, that's good too. We should do a big just casserole dinner. It's a fun word to say. It's a Greek. I know it's Greek for something. Casserole. Say it. Yeah. Casserole. All right. So I think it's Greek for gluttony is what it is. So um, anyway, we're, we're, we're going to talk about this concept of, of community or fellowship, the importance of it, uh, and, uh, and, and what it looks like when you are in healthy community. And that's really the key. Like, um, if you've been in church for many years um, and you've experienced more churches than just living hope, maybe you've experienced some churches that uh, were not healthy communities, that there was, you know, maybe a small or large degree of dysfunction within that community and and uh, and you know and we the only way the uh church is ever talked about in the media pretty much the only way is when it is a dysfunctional community um and so that but they are there you know while we are blessed i think uh, in my opinion you can disagree if you want uh but in my opinion i think we're blessed with with a with a relatively healthy community here at living hope um there is a difference when you enter into a community that's not healthy. Uh, it it takes the the life out of you. Um, it is it can be very discouraging to your faith, very discouraging to your walk. You find yourself usually those communities are uh, somewhat steeped in um, kind of legalistic, um, judgmental behavior, and it can be really if you can fight it all you want. But if you're part of a legalistic community. Uh, the urge or the draw to kind of jump into that that legalistic spirit with people is almost impossible to resist. And so, um, so what does healthy 
community look like? It's so important because we need it so bad. We need it so bad that faith, it was not designed, the Christian faith was not designed for you to, to do it as a solo sport. It was not designed that way. We, we, we have to be in community with each other to really thrive in our faith. If you make the decision that, you know, you don't need church anymore, you can just kind of do your own faith and that sort of thing on your own uh, or with your family or whatever else, and, uh, you know, um, you can make that decision, but I can tell you it's going to quickly go bad for you. I've, I have not seen any exception to that statement. None. I'm not exaggerating. I've not seen even one exception to that, where people have isolated themselves from from the church, and 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 it did not go bad for them quickly. Uh, I had a good friend uh, uh, in in a town we lived in previously, who um, uh, was honestly a great guy, a a godly man, um, loved his family, loved his wife in the way that that a man is called to. Uh, passionately pursued God, was passionate about his word, passionate about being a godly man, that sort of thing. Just a good, good, decent man. And he, um, for whatever reason, decided that he did not need church anymore, that he would just pursue God on his own with his family and, uh, and did not need the community of the fellowship of believers anymore and, and so pulled away from church life. And those of us that cared about him rallied around him and tried to speak some wisdom into his life. But he was just determined that, uh, you know, he had not seen a healthy church, uh, you know, recently. And so he was just going to pull away from church altogether. And what started off as just him kind of being determined to pursue God and things like that ended up with him... Um, I wouldn't say completely off the rails, but with a huge empty place in his life where he just, things in his life just were not going the way he wanted them to go. They were not clicking the way he wanted to click. He just felt this emptiness in his life. And he quickly realized, uh, actually it wasn't that quick, it took a few years, but, but after some time realized that the thing that was missing in his life, even though he loved Jesus, he loved his family and all that kind of stuff, he missed the community. He missed the community. And it's so important for us to be involved in a community because, again, this is just the way God has hardwired us, the way he created the church, his bride, that sort of thing. We need community. We need community. So what does a healthy community look like? Because there are lots of, you know, um, stinky communities out there. And so Paul gives us in Galatians this uh, description of what a healthy community looks like. We looked at Galatians 5 a few weeks ago. We're going to look at Galatians 6 today. And uh, it's just this beautiful description of healthy community. And so Galatians 6, verse 1. You can turn over there. All right. It says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Okay, so we're going to stop right there for just a second. We'll, we'll continue forward in, in a little bit. But 
Stop right there. And, and, and the point that Paul is trying to bring out here and I want to bring out with him this morning is we need to care uh, but not compare. Care but not compare. And it's this concept that a he- part of, one of the attributes of a healthy community, uh, a healthy fellowship of believers, a church like we have here, is that there should be this element of concern and care for one another. That, that in so, some of you have um, just, you know, you score so high when it comes to like compassion gifts and that sort of thing. And, and, and you, I always say it's, it's, it's those of you that, that do that that really make our church so beautiful. And, 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 and I see it in action just about every single week. And there's some of you who can be across the room from another person and just see a little glint in their eye, a little something that's going on that, lets, that gives you some sort of, of, of a cue that not all is right, something's up, and uh, something may be bothering somebody. And you will either in that moment in the service or maybe later in the week with a phone call, seek out that person and say, hey, I just was, you know, saw you today and it looked like maybe something was on your mind. Is everything okay? And, and you, you do this thing where you rally around people, you lift them up, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and I love seeing that take place in our church. When it, we've been here now six and a half years, my family. And, um, and when we first came here, it was January uh, 2008. When we first came, you guys flew us in for a visit and that sort of thing. And one of the first things that caught my eye was this. And as, as just as much as you guys had, had flown us in to, to kind of get a good look at us and see if, if uh, you know, you wanted us to be your pastor, that sort of thing, uh, we were doing the same thing with you. We were trying to figure out if, if we, you, we wanted you to be our church. And so you were just as much on trial as we were. And one of the first things that caught my eye was the way that uh, you guys would would kind of go off in little pockets together and lift one another up and pray, just right there in the moment. It's so common in church life for, for people to share what's going on in their lives with each other and then get that response back of, okay, yeah, definitely, I'll be praying for you. See you later, have a great week. And one of the things I love most about Living Hope Church is we're a church that doesn't just say, I'm going to be praying for you. We stop and we pray. We stop and we pray. We lift it up. We, there's action to our words and we do that. And I, and I love that so much. And that continues on. And not just in that little, that little act of prayer, but when you guys see each other struggling with issues or heading down a destructive path, you know, because we love each other, we don't stay silent about that stuff. We reach out to one another and, uh, and we say in gentleness, as, as the word says there, that in gentleness, we reach out to one another and we show concern, not judgment, concern. And care, there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. Can, but this, this is not easy. This is not easy. It's so much easier to kind of just keep your head down and stay out of other people's business. It's so much. I, I used to work downtown San Francisco. And uh, I would take BART down to Market Street and, and uh, get out in my building. You know, there's a couple blocks of walk. And I remember when I first started that job, I was so excited. I thought it was just so awesome to work downtown San Francisco. And I can remember my first day getting off BART, coming up to surface level, and just beaming and, and just excited to be in the city and everything, you know, walking to my building. And I'm, I'm just looking around, and I'm walking, and, you know, and I'm, I'm just looking around and taking it all in, and people are walking past me, and I'm looking at my head, you know, I'm looking around. And, and, and I learned really super fast that you don't look people in the eye. Just keep your head down and walk because the streets are full of crazy people, Right? <laughs> They're just full of crazy people, and you will be accosted and, and, uh, and, and sidetracked and everything. You'll never get to your destination if you're constantly looking at everybody in the eye. Just keep your head down. and keep. That's the easy way to go. But can I tell you, when it comes to um, 
life actually lived out in community, what's easiest is definitely not what is best. And if you choose to kind of live out your life in this community, kind of keeping your head down so that you don't have to interact with people or get involved in their business or whatever else, anything like that, if you do that, then you rob this community of one of the most important attributes, which is this sense of concern and bearing each other's burdens and, and, and helping each other and lifting each other up. Because on the days that you feel strong, I guarantee you there's someone else that's feeling weak. And on the days that you feel weak, there's going to be someone strong that can be there for you. And as we see people, if we walk around within this community and we observe and actually act on our observations and, and, and seek people out when we see them hurting and, or see them struggling with things and we, we seek to lift them up, when we do that, it just makes our community beautiful. It makes it beautiful. It's the kind of family that we want to be a part of, right? It's the way you do with your family at home. If you've got a family at home, this is what you do. If I see one of my kids hurting, I don't, like, turn up the volume on the TV louder so I can not have to deal with that, right? I don't do that. I know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good dad. I wait till the next commercial. I pause it, and then I... <laughs> I'm just teasing. Just teasing. So, um, no, but I, it hurts me when my family members are hurting, doesn't it? Doesn't it hurt you when your family members are hurting? It, it does. And so, I, and so I stop what I'm doing. I see how I can help or if I can help or if there's any sanity to why they're hurting or whatever, you know, and I, I, I address that and I try to offer whatever I can offer. And in the same way for us as a church, we need to be people who will stop what we're doing when we see each other hurting because we love each other and we're family, because we're this community, this fellowship of believers, and we will reach out to one another and we'll lift each other up. That's all what we all want to be a part of, isn't it? And so here's the thing. Now, he, he, I put up there, share, don't compare, because go ahead and flip back to that last slide. He has this um, teaching there where he says, um, which, is, which is very contrary to a lot of teaching you hear in church. It says, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. So he's just said, bear one another's burdens, and then he said, but you've got to bear your own load, right? A little contradictory. It seems like, basically, in kind of flowery theological terms, what Paul is saying is kind of mind your own business, but not mind your own business in terms of uh, don't reach out and help people. What he's saying is don't look around and start to compare yourself to everybody else and how everybody else is living. You worry about how you're living. And the reason he, I think he puts it there is because what happens when we, when we step up and help other people, let's say somebody's struggling in a sin. You see them kind of going down a destructive path, and so you, you decide, I love this person, I don't want to see that happen to them, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up, I'm going to offer in gentleness some love and some wise counsel and that sort of thing, and you, you, you do your best to lift them up. If you're not careful, because we're humans and because Satan's a punk, this is what happens, that Satan kind of will kind of get in our heads, and he'll take advantage of our pride, and even in that moment where you're trying to be Jesus to somebody else, if you're not careful, this little thing will click in where you'll start going, Man, I'm glad my faith is not as weak as this person's. Man, I'm so glad that, that I don't have to struggle in this area. And you start to do this little thing where you kind of compare yourself to people. And you may convince yourself how strong you are. And what's he say there? If, you think, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. By the way, when he's nothing, that's you. That's, that's all of us. 
right? There's nothing about us that makes us so special other than Christ in us. Other than Christ in us. There's nothing about you that makes you holier or any more righteous than anybody else other than the work that Christ has done in you, not the work that you have done for yourself. And so he says, as you're helping people, as you're doing this, care, but don't compare. Care, but don't compare. Live out your faith in humility. Live out your faith knowing that, that there, but for the grace of God, go I. But for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be in the exact same situation. I used to take teens down to uh, San Francisco and work with a homeless ministry there, and we would kind of go around the uh, Tenderloin District and uh, with, uh, with a thermos and cups and just giving people hot chocolate and asking them if we could pray for them and things like that and homeless people and drug addicts and prostitutes and, and, that, and that sort of thing. And, and as, as I would take teens down there and we would have conversations with people on the street, they, they all, almost all of them are ready to talk. They want to talk. They're ready for anybody to hear them. And every single time what we would walk away with, I would ask the kids, you know, what, what did you get out of that experience? And every single time at least one kid would say, I realized that the only difference between me and that guy on the street was just a couple of choices. Just a couple. Not, it's not even that far. Not even that far of a leap. Just a couple of bad choices. And it's the same thing with us. We, we, we can get so confident in our own ability, in our own righteousness, in our own works, in our own ability to kind of stay, you know, nice, clean, you know, suburban people, that we lose sight of the fact that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. So care, but don't compare. Let's move on. Uh, verse 6. <clears throat> it says this, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, <coughs> excuse me, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corrupt, corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And the concept here is that we need to be a congregation. If you want to be a, us to be a healthy community, we need to be a, a, a congregation that is coming together to invest in eternity. Coming together to invest in eternity. And I'm a big believer, a big believer, that when we, I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to, to, to give, to be a generous people, and we talk about this from time to time in church, I'm a big believer that, that one of the, I mean, let me just list a few. You, 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 you give and you're generous and you tithe and that sort of thing because God commands it. That's, that alone is good enough reason. But there's so many more. Because, because you love God and you want to honor him. Because you love this church and you believe in the mission and direction of this church and, and, and that sort of thing. Those are, those are all good reasons. But one of my favorite reasons to give, one of my favorite reasons to give is because I literally believe that when I give, and not just, not just time and service and things like that, but literally with my money, with what God has blessed me with, with my possessions and that sort of thing. I b- literally believe that when I give, I am making a literal investment in my eternity. In the same way that it's wise for us to make investments and save right here, right now, into, into, as he puts it into this flesh that's corruptible and will someday pass away and into this life right now, you should be saving for your retirement. You should be saving for a rainy day and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's a good thing. And, and when you do, you reap dividends on that investment, on that savings plan. In the same way, I believe that when we give to kingdom purposes, we will one day reap a dividend that is real 
and literal. I'm not talking symbolically here. I'm not talking, I'm, I mean, when you put money, possessions, things like that away for kingdom purposes, one day you will reap the, the benefit of, those, of that investment. The Bible talks about it in all kinds of different ways in terms of, of uh, and I'm not, not, I'm not saying that your money secures your eternity or secures your salvation. Don't hear that. That's not what I'm saying. But the Bible talks about it when we come into eternity uh, that, there will be, uh, that there will be rewards and things like that. And I believe, in, and although we don't understand all that, I just believe that that investment will come back uh, on us in a big way. It is a literal investment into the only thing that actually matters, which is eternity. It's a literal investment. And we do this when we come together, and, and, and especially when we do it kind of corporately, together, as a, as a body of believers. And we pool together what, uh, you know, we give together what God has blessed us with. And it goes out, and it goes out in so many different ways. And he starts off in that, in that passage, turn back to that scripture. He says, uh, let the one who has taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, this is a, <clears throat> this is a concept that most pastors would probably kind of stay away from. But, I, but I, I'm not going to shy away from it because, it, to me, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's this concept that those of you who are being taught share out of what God has blessed you with, with the one who teaches. In other words, part of the, the kingdom work that we go and support is the support of pastors, teachers, missionaries, things like that, that, that we send out and do this, king, that, that we kind of, that for years and years and years and years and years, churches have been setting aside people for the work of the ministry to work on it, to, to get, dive into the word, to spend a little more time praying, to, to, to do this kind of mission-minded uh, ministry work in a, in a fuller, in a, in, a, in a greater way than what, the average person can do because of careers and things like that. So we set aside a person or two or three or however many to do that work as their vocation, as their vocation. And it's this beautiful thing. Now, I've, I've, uh, my dad was a pastor. And he passed, I always say he pastored churches that hated pastors, which is not entirely true. But, um, but they were rough on him. They were really rough on him. And there, there was more than one congregation that my dad served that, that literally kept our family below the poverty line. Um, I can remember at one church in particular where on more than one occasion, uh, we did not have a scrap of food in the house, not a scrap. And uh, my mom gathering all of us, you know, around to, to pray and just simply ask, you know, God to literally give us this day our daily bread. And just praying for that next meal. And, and God would always come through. It'd be, it'd be amazing. You know, within a few hours, there would be a, a bag of groceries that somebody left on the front porch or something. It was just, it was, it was miraculous, honestly. It was amazing. And, and you know, and, and when you kind of, I don't, know if, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that around here, but if you go back kind of country churches and stuff like that, that they, a lot of people used to joke, oh, Lord, you keep him, uh, or um, yeah, you keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. That was the phrase they used to use. And it was just, just, it was kind of a joke type thing, but, but, but here, here's what I know. I know that uh, for a lot of years, it, it, um, it, w- it hurt my dad's heart uh, to not be able to provide for a way, provide for his family in a way that a man should be able to provide for his family in the work, in the work of the ministry that he felt called to do. And I can't tell you how... Um, how incredibly meaningful it is that 
that you all are, are generous to the point that you allow me to do this work and to support my family in a way that is comfortable for us. You'll never know, you'll never know what that means to me. You'll never know. And I say that to say thank you, and I say that to say that's only part of the beauty, only part of the beauty that happens when we come together and we lock arms and we kind of do this whole kingdom thing together and we follow God's word in, in ways like this and more. And, and what happens is, is, is uh, you know, pastors are supported for ministry. Missionaries are sent to where there's no word. Um, you know, um, ministries are, are in this community are supported. Um, people are helped. We, we were able to help a family with a little bit of rent money this, th- just this week and that sort of thing. That there are uh, uh, all kinds of, of various other things, kingdom, kingdom things that happen when we come together and do this. So we learn to invest in eternity. We learn to invest in eternity. And a healthy congregation does that. Verses 9 and 10, last two verses. It says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And again, if you, if you want a picture of what a healthy community look, looks like, well, you know, it's all the stuff that we've already talked about, but there's all this, it's also a community that is looking to bless each other often. We're looking to bless each other often. And I love that, that there are so many of you who, who just excel in this kind of work in our church where you are just constantly looking for ways. How can I bless someone in my church? How can I bless someone that, 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 that needs a blessing today? And that happens in... And I mean, just it can it can be something as as small as a word of encouragement, uh, a, a, a card to let you know you're thinking about somebody, or 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 a conversation. It could be, you know, that you hold your possessions with an open hand, and you and you willingly share with everybody in our our community what God has blessed you with. I see this happening all the time. You guys are letting each other borrow cars and things like that whenever you, one's got a car down, or you know, you, we just step up and we bless each other constantly. And I would say, one, it's, it's, again, one of the most beautiful parts of a healthy congregation. And I would say, you guys do a good job of it. And I want to ask you to double it. Double it. Become a congregation that is literally just like every day, every day, you're thinking, how can I bless someone in my church today? And, and, and now, some of that might kind of rub you wrong in term, terms of, you know, well, we, we, the church shouldn't be all inward-minded. We need to be focused on people outside the church. And that's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And we need to help people outside as well as we do inside and that sort of thing. But he, the words, I'm just going off the word, and very specifically says, especially those of the household of faith. Especially those that are right here in our congregation. Why is that so important that we do that? Because Jesus said this. He said, they'll know your mind by your what? Love for who? Each other. They'll know your mind by your love for one another. In fact, can I tell you how this played out historically? Early, early on in the church life in the first century, there became, if you go back and read some secular um, histories of, of, uh, that kind of did some observations of, of this movement, you know, that they used to call the way, and it was the church, that sort of thing. The way this actually played out is that in the, in the ancient world, it was rumored that churches were full of homosexuals. 
because of how much they saw them constantly embracing one another and loving each other. Why do you say we become a congregation that looks like a bunch of homosexuals? <laughs> let's just go. Let's just go all in. All in. I, let, let's be that congregation that we love each other so much that people are like, what in the world is going on over there? That we're constantly sharing, as, as Acts chapter 2 says, they had all things in common. You guys do such a good job of sharing. We're not quite to all things in common yet, but, but we're, I think we're on our way. We're on our way. But we become this sharing, caring con- congregation that the world will know we are Jesus' children, that we are Jesus' followers. Why? Because of the love we show. And it's not because we're so great and because we're so loving, because we've got it all together and we're such a great church. No, it's because when we do this, when we constantly seek to bless each other, we reflect Jesus to this community. This is just all this teaching this morning, all this of what, what it looks like to be a part of a healthy community, this is just us being Jesus. This is just us being Jesus. Be, be a person who cares for people and lifts people up. Jesus did that. Be a person who is constantly investing in community and, and seeing the value of, of, of that kind of investment and, and, and really giving all of ourselves. Jesus taught that and did that. Be a person that is constantly looking to bless all of each other and all, everybody around you. Jesus was doing that all the time. We're just called to be Jesus. I mean, that's as simple as it gets, right? And again, it's not because of how great we are. It's because when we do this, what happens is the world looks at us and gets a glimpse of Jesus. Gets a glimpse of who he is. And ultimately, it's not how, you know, how big we build up our church or, or whatever. You know, it's, it, that, that's not our goal here. Our goal is just to be faithful to be faithful to his word, to be faithful to live out the principles that Jesus taught and the, and the, the, faith, and, and the, and the principles that, that make us a healthy church and, and faithful to live all that out. And when we do that, if the result is us growing, if the result is us having a larger presence in this town or whatever, that's all in God's hands. Our job is just to be faithful. Our job is to be, be, just to be faithful. So I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a part of a community like that. I do. It's why I chose Living Hope Church, because I feel like we see glimpses of that all the time. Are we perfect? Are we there, completely there yet? Whatever. No, we're not there yet. But we have something big that we can work on. We've got a good foundation that we can work on and continue to grow in. And I want to challenge you, all of us, to be that kind of congregation that is selfless, that is looking to bring Jesus glory at every opportunity, that is looking to help someone and bless someone at every opportunity, that is looking to, you know, that we're holding everything we, that God has blessed us with open hands and we offer it back to him as if he, if he recalls it, uh, that, that's up to him. But be those kind of people. And as we do and as we reflect Christ to this community even more, I'm just going to tell you the truth. We, we won't be able to keep them away. We won't be able to keep people away because people are drawn to Jesus. They're not drawn to church. So (laughs) all of the effort we place into being a better church can be a little bit anti-productive. But every effort we place into being more Christ-like, people are drawn to Jesus. And they'll be drawn to him. So let's be that. Let's be that. Instead of us being the best church that we can possibly be, let's just be the best Jesus we can possibly be.
Let's just do that. Let's give our lives over to him and say, God, work in me and show yourself through me however you want to me. Point out people in my path that need me to lift them up. Call from me what you have blessed me with. Point out people in my, in, in my path that need to be blessed that I have the ability to bless. Just, you, just use me as the conduit for your grace. Just use me. And if we can do that, um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Your word, again, is good to us. And um, I thank you for living hope. I thank you for this church that we call our home and our family. I thank you so much that, <clears throat> by and large, it's a community of believers that, that really do keep the main thing the main thing and really do seek to, um, to follow you, to glorify you, to help people around us. But God, I ask that you increase all of that in us. Where there are um, glimpses and shadows of you that are able to be seen through us, God, I pray that that image of you becomes more clear in us. And that the image of you that we reflect to this community becomes so clearly you that it's really not about us and and, and the attention is not on us, but, but that you get all the glory. You get all the glory. So grow our compassion and our love for one another, God. Grow our generosity. Help us to be a more healthy community. God, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name.